I'm going to actually, I, I, after this morning, so I, obviously, because we, we have the um, 10.30, and I got to the end of this morning, and I thought, I thought to myself, I'm not entirely, I'm not entirely, you come away from having done a talk, and you think, oh, yeah, that, that landed well, that worked well, and sometimes I think, oh, maybe that could have been slightly different, um, and perhaps a little bit better. And I, I came away from this morning thinking, oh, the, I wish that perhaps had done some things slightly differently, and I uh, had a conversation with someone um, who, for their protection, in case it's a disaster tonight, will remain nameless. Uh, <laughs> no, but we've just done a little bit of restructuring. Uh, so hopefully it will be helpful. So we've been in Galatians. We started at the beginning of the year. We've gone through uh, right up until Lent. We then had a Lent series, and since Lent, we've been carrying on with Galatians. And the, the title of the Galatians series has been called Freedom for Everyone. And the, the, the underlying message of the book of Galatians is... Um, we enter into relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ um, and by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not by following aspects of the Jewish law. So the Galatians were, there was a group of people who were trying to convince the Galatians that they needed to do certain aspects of the Jewish law in order to be proper Christians. And, and Paul was saying, no, it is about following Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so the following of some of those rules and regulations, uh, there's been a lot of talk around circumcision and various different things that the Old Testament required of the Jewish followers of God um, are no longer applicable to those who are in Christ. So that's the, the main message of Galatians. And this new life is found in the spirit, not trying to follow elements of the law or by human effort, or by regulations, or by self-improvement. You know, this, this relationship with God is not us pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. It's about a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, bringing about transformation and making us more like Christ. So that's the, been the, the core message. And today we're going to look at um, a passage from Galatians 6, verses 6 to 10, but we're not going to read it just yet. We're going to have a little bit of a conversation around sowing and reaping, the principle of sowing and reaping. Now, the passage tonight speaks into, it's Paul speaking into a particular area, which we'll, we'll speak about specifically uh, when we read the passage briefly. Um, but it, it, he introduces, really, he, he talks on, which appear in other places in Scripture, this principle of sowing and reaping. Um, so it doesn't just apply to the specific area that Paul's addressing in this passage. So we'll cover the concept of sowing and reaping as we begin, um, as a general principle. Now, um, we'll begin by thinking about a guy called Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, I don't know. Who knows Malcolm Gladwell? No, I didn't think so. Um, who has heard of the 10,000-hour rule? Anybody had any... Is that any clear of anyone? You, do these guys have over there. You see there, we've got our... Um, you know, studying his PhD at Cambridge, you know. <laughs> He's doing his 10,000 hours. Um, so the 10,000, so Malcolm Gladwell introduced this principle and he said that the key to achieving true expertise in any skill is simply a matter of practicing it. So if I want to become an amazing pianist, I spend, you know, if I spent five hours a day for six years playing the piano, I would be a pretty accomplished pianist, if I wanted to learn about microbiology, if I spent five hours a day for six years, I'd know a lot about microbiology. And you see the principle that what we spend our time and what we invest in, we, we, 
they, they become the, the characteristics, the things that actually become the hallmark of our lives. And there's this general principle in scripture, um, which in, in the passage we're going to read tonight, it, there's a verse that says, God cannot be mocked, a person reaps what they sow. And this morning I had a pack of tomato seeds and they've fallen out my book, so I can't show you the packet of tomato seeds. So close your eyes and imagine <laughs> a packet of tomato seeds. Now, th there's a general principle in nature. Okay, If I plant a tomato seed, what's going to grow is a tomato plant. Or if it's growing in Newbury, it would be a tomato plant, I suppose. Because um, <laughs> you're going to make a tomato plant will grow. And on that tomato plant will grow a yellow flower, We've got them in our garden, and th that's a tomato flower. And then when it germinates and when it grows, you get a tomato. Okay, the, the fruit of a tomato comes from a tomato plant. If you plant a tomato seed, you're not going to get apples, you're not going to get pineapples, you're not going to get grapefruit, you're not going to get courgette, you're going to get tomato. And this basic principle, God won't be mocked, there's a law of nature that what we sow is what we reap. And the Bible teaches us really clearly that that's also a spiritual principle. The seeds that we sow in our life, as in the things that we prioritise, the things that we spend our time, our energy, our resources, our money, all of those things, the things that we invest in, in our lives, they're the things that are going to bear fruit in our lives. So I... I'm going to harvest whatever I've sown. Sometimes when we think about our lives, we might think, well, oh gosh, I've planted some pretty dodgy seeds over the years. Things that I've spent my time on, things that I've invested my energy and effort in, things that I've watched, things that I've done, things that I've things that I've pursued that weren't necessarily helpful and I've sown some pretty dodgy seeds. And, you know, it's a spiritual law. We will reap what we've sown. Now, there's a really important thing to say here in that grace has a role to play. We see, when we come to Christ, there's this invitation, this moment where we say yes to Jesus and he enters in and removes the, the rubbish of our past. He, it's, as, it's as if he, he, he lifts us and gives us the power to, and, and the freedom, not just the power, but the, the, the freedom and the power to make different choices, to sow different seeds. And it doesn't just um, say, there you go, you've got the power to make different choices now, there's your field of bindweed you know, get to work clearing it all up. He actually clears up the mess. He works with us to give us a completely new open field using this imagery of sowing and reaping. When we come to Christ and he forgives our past, he transforms us into new creations, we get a whole new field and it's fertile soil. And he also gives us a basket. Imagine, I mean, we'll talk about this in a minute um, from the passage that we looked at a couple of weeks ago around the fruit of the Holy Spirit, he gives us a whole new basket, sticking with the imagery of sowing and reaping. We've got tomatoes and aubergine and peppers and chilies and what else do you go? Butternut squash. He's got an allotment. <coughs> Leek, onions, carrots, the whole lot. We've got this basket of all these good things 
that we can sow, we have the power to make those different choices. Grace gives us a new field and a basket full of seeds. We're going to convert this into day-to-day stuff, moving away from imagery in a minute, but you bear with me for a minute. Grace has a role to play. Grace lifts us into a new place. It gives us the power and the freedom to make different choices. It gives us a new field and a basket full of amazing seeds of these incredible things that can grow and can mature and produce beautiful fruit in our lives. But the important thing for us to get a hold of when we think about the principle of sowing and reaping is within that context, we still can sow what we choose to sow. And we will reap the harvest of the seeds we have sown. You see, grace lifts us. It gives us the power to change. It gives us a new field. It gives us a basket full of seeds. But not even grace can turn Japanese knotweed into tomatoes. And so if we continue to sow, if we continue to, and we'll come to a passage in a minute that will give us a little bit of a definition, giving us some clarity of what the difference is between life in the spirit, this new life that we can live, these new seeds that we've got to sow into our future, into building God's kingdom, into building God's house, into eternity. If we choose to continue sowing the old seeds, sowing the stuff that feed our sinful nature, then those are the things that are going to bear fruit in our lives. Grace can't turn Japanese nutweed into tomatoes and what we choose to sow, that's what will grow and that's what will bear fruit. There's a sobering few verses in Hebrews chapter 10. So we'll start on this. You know, you get verses that make you feel like all warm and fuzzy and then you've got verses that give you goosebumps. You think, oh gosh. Uh, so this is perhaps one of those that's slightly one of the more challenging verses or passages in scripture. It's really important for us to get a hold of when we're thinking about this principle of sowing and reaping and the choices that we make with our lives. So um, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 to 29, it says, Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we've received knowledge of the truth, there's no longer any sacrifice that can cover these sins. There's only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy as if it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. In this new life, we have an opportunity to live for eternity, to live with God's kingdom as our number one priority, to live with the spirit man, our spiritual life, our walk with God, our relationship with him, 
live to make choices that we spend our time, our resources, our energy, our money and all of that on things that will grow our spiritual life, that will grow our relationship with God and will build his kingdom in and through our lives. And that's the invitation that we have. And we can let go of the old stuff. And, you know, you might look at your life and think, well, gosh, it actually does feel a little bit like a field full of Japanese nutweed or bindweed or whatever random brambles there are. I remember Gordon and I did a load of clearing up at the well and there were, Gordon was covered in blood from all these brambles we were pulling out from the fences there. And, you know, we can get our lives in a real mess. And what I want to say is if you've not been a follower of Jesus and your life's ended up in a little bit of a mess... He can just lift you into a completely new place and give you an opportunity to live a new life that is in freedom and that is full of his goodness. And if we've been a follower of Jesus, but we recognize, you know, you might recognize tonight that, you know what, I'm still sowing some of the old seeds. Maybe this little passage will give you some examples of what that old stuff is like. Galatians 5, 16 to 25. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite to what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions but when you're directed by the spirit you're not under obligation to the law of Moses when you follow the desires of your sinful nature the results are very clear so here's the naughty list so sexual immorality impurity lustful pleasures idolatry sorcery hostility quarreling jealousy outbursts of anger selfish ambition dissension division Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. I don't think they mean like Ciroc. You know, I think the slightly, yeah, very wild parties. We won't go into what he was talking about, but very wild parties. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And, you know, I'm not going to go into some, any, you know, load of specifics about um, how we might go about sowing the right stuff. I feel that it's, it might not be that helpful. I'll give you a couple of illustrations. But I just think we'll come to some worship in a few minutes and let's allow God to speak to us about perhaps any areas of our lives where we've been sowing the wrong seeds, sowing stuff that have been feeding our sinful, our old nature, 
spending time and money and resources on things that are temporary, things that will decay and fade, things that may even produce damaging fruit in our lives and in the lives of others. Instead of sowing the things that actually produce God's fruit in our lives. Now, I just give you one example from, uh, as I've been thinking about this week, I, I was just thinking about time and how I spend my time and, you know, what, what things could I be doing with my time that will um, honour God more and will also invest in my spiritual growth and what God wants to do in me and see his produ- fruit produced in my life. And uh, so every evening, or most evenings, we get to the end of the evening, we flop on the sofa and we watch an episode of The West Wing. And uh, 42 minutes every night, we sit there and we watch It's brilliant. Who's seen The West Wing? It's really very good. Um, yeah, yeah. 140 episodes, aren't there? We've got, we've got another three or four months to go, then that's brilliant. Um, <laughs> so the, the West Wing, uh, we watch it each night. And I just felt God saying to me the other night when I was preparing this, he wasn't challenging me about The West Wing. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> you sinful, carnal man. No, he wasn't. He wasn't having a go at me about the West Wing, but he just said, you know what? If you had a pattern in your life where you spent 42 minutes every day reading my word and and letting that speak to you, I just felt him giving me an opportunity. Just think about the opportunity that that would create for God to be at work in me, for God to be planting the good seeds of his spirit and his word in me. Like 42 minutes where he is just allowing, he, I'm just allowing him to speak to me. He was like, just think about the difference that that would make in your centeredness, in your response when you're under pressure, in your reactions when people say annoying or hurtful or unkind things to you. Just think about the difference that, that would have on your character. Now, don't get me wrong, I do spend time reading the Bible. You know, you think, you're a leader of a church and you don't read the Bible. Of course I do, but you know, if there was this, this just an automatic, consistent pattern, every single day, 42 minutes, the length of a West Wing episode, I just felt God challenging me. You give that time to me and see what fruit that will produce. It wasn't a condemnation, it wasn't a clip around the ear, it was an invitation into growth and an invitation into seeing new stuff develop in my life. And I just feel like God wants to give us all that invitation to um, sow the right seeds and see his kingdom, his goodness, his fruit being produced in our lives. So let's go to the actual passage for tonight. That was my introduction. <laughs> no. So we're nearing near the end, actually, but this... Uh, This passage, so there's a specific thing that Paul is actually saying here. So we'll we'll read it. I'll give you a little bit of an overview of the specific um, thing that he's wanting to address. But I want us to read it thinking about the broader concept of sowing and reaping, what we do with our time, our resources, our money, all of it. So this is the passage, verse 6 to 10. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. 
you will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Now, what Paul specifically addressed in that passage, actually, is to do with the financing of the life and ministry of the church. All right, so he's basically saying that that we need to be uh, generous to enable those who have the ministry of preaching God's word and giving spiritual leadership to the church to be paid for doing so. So that's the basic, the, the, the principle that Paul is wanting to get across to the Galatians in this, about using our physical, material, practical uh, belongings and things, stuff, to produce spiritual kingdom everlasting results so investing in people investing in god's word bringing transformation to people's lives and and to hearts and communities and he says if we sow into the spirit by giving solid practical support to the church's ministry we'll bring about a harvest that will be eternal in contrast to that he says but if we sow into the flesh as in just things stuff our own gratification, that just gives temporary results that will fade, break, and decay. He's not saying give beyond what you have. He's not saying deprive yourself of food, you know, um, or sleep in a sleeping bag at the bottom of the garden and, you know, sell your house and give it, give all the money. He's not saying that, but he's saying um, when, we, when we invest only in the temporary things that satisfy our own flesh and our own sinful nature, those things will only be temporary. Those things will fade, they will decay, and they will break. But what we invest in the kingdom, what we invest in God's work, in God's transforming power in people's lives, that has a permanent impact. There's just one more passage that I'll read in relation to that. This is the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, um, verses 19 to 21. And he's speaking about uh, sowing and giving. So just after the Lord's Prayer. Don't store up treasures on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So Paul's particularly addressing the area of giving in uh, into God's house. Um, and there's more that he talks about that in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, if you're interested in finding out more about that. But I want us to really think about, much more broadly than that, this whole area of sowing and reaping for our whole lives. What do I do with my time? What do I invest in, in my time, in my energy, my effort? Am I, am I giving of myself to temporary things that only meet the needs of my flesh, my sinful nature, Or am I 
giving of myself and my time am I investing in my and others' spiritual growth? Am I investing in the kingdom? Am I investing in the things that bring about God's goodness in the earth? Bring about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What are we doing with our time, our choices, our resources? It's a whole life thing. What are we doing with our lives? And is that having, is that, are we setting that up for an eternal impact? There's just one more passage that I'll read. Can we stand together? We'll pray in a second. This is Paul speaking again to the Philippians. He said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, this is the this is the thing that I really want us to get a hold of. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Let's just reflect on that. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and honourable and excellent and worthy of praise. And God, tonight, I just want to thank you that you are a God who is gracious, who is quick to forgive, who is slow to anger, who is abounding in incredible love. And I thank you that you have the desire to, for us to bear good fruit in our lives, eternal fruit. Fruit that has a lasting impact. Lives that are lived for the, for the extension, for the growth of your kingdom, of your love. Joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. The characteristics of the kingdom of God being established and being spread abroad here on earth. And God, where we've sown other seeds in our lives where we've got ourselves in a mess maybe we picture our lives and it feels like a field full of Japanese knotweed we just thank you that you're a God who can completely restore a God who can remove all of that junk and you give us new characteristics to build and grow and Maybe we've been a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're here tonight and you've said yes to Jesus uh, maybe years ago and you've realised that, yeah, I've still been sowing some of the wrong seeds in my life. I've been investing time and energy and effort in stuff that is not helpful 
for me. It's not helping me to grow in my relationship with God. It's not making me more like Jesus. And maybe you're experiencing negative fruit in your life, negative consequences in your life from stuff that you have been investing your time, your life in. God wants to meet with us in this place and to bring forgiveness, bring freedom, bring restoration, to untangle all that mess. I just want you to imagine, an incre- I mean, you may not be particularly into, you know, farming and gardening and stuff, but just bear with the imagery for a moment. Imagine this incredible allotment filled with the most incredible um, fruit and vegetables and just amazing fruitfulness. God, you want that for our lives. You said over our lives, you will cause us to be like a well-tended garden. And I pray, Lord, that tonight as we worship, we're going to, I'm going to be over there. Joel, would you be happy to pray with people? Would that be right? So if you want prayer, and Paul is around as well, and maybe Lucy, if you're free, or, you know, um, but if you want prayer, if you've, you want to just get somebody to say, you know what, I, I, I'm struggling with this, or, you know, I want to give my life to Jesus. Maybe you're in that zone tonight, and you think, I, w- I want this new life. I want God to take my tangled mess and make something beautiful out of it. Then we're really happy to pray with you. Maybe you are in that place where you've been making some really bad choices, sowing some really inappropriate seeds that are producing some inappropriate fruit and results in your life, and you want to just lay that down and receive God's forgiveness and receive new life tonight, then we'd love to pray with you. Uh, Joel, if you want to come and uh, lead us in some worship, and let's just do business with God. Um, I know that verse from Hebrews feels a bit heavy, this idea that, you know what, let's not, let's not in the new life, in this invitation, in this new space of freedom, let's not, let's not live our old rubbish stuff out in this new life. Um, I don't want anybody to feel pushed away from God or feel like you've messed up too, so much that you, um, you can't be restored to who God created you to be because... God can take a hold of anything. God can take a hold of whatever mess we're in. But we think of the times when Jesus encountered people and they'd got themselves into massive mess. Every time it was an opportunity to, okay, you can have a fresh start now. You can have new life now. Go forward from this place and live differently. And that's our invitation tonight. So we're really happy to pray with you. Let's just worship and let God speak into our hearts. Thank you for listening.